Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of BAMS Radio. It's 6.30 Sunday. Uh, you know, uh, it's April the 15th. Taxes are due tomorrow at midnight. It's going to be interesting uh, for a lot of people around this great nation. Uh, as, uh, a lot, most get their taxes out of the way. I'm not one of those guys. that I spent a lot of my Sunday with family taking care of my taxes. But now, something that I have a real passion for, and that's Alabama football. And uh, the Crimson Tide had their second scrimmage of uh, spring 2018 heading into Nick Saban's 12th season at the Capstone. We had a little history yesterday as inclement weather throughout the state of Alabama forced the Crimson Tide into the indoor practice facility, the Malmore facility, for the first time in the 11-plus years for Nick Saban. Uh, It was very interesting. And, of course, uh, I'm I'm here with Thomas Watts, the producer extraordinaire, and, of course, my co-host, the wizard behind the curtain for BAMS Radio, and our third amigo, uh, that we've uh, you know always enjoyed speaking with for the last couple years on BAMS Radio, William Redfish Barger, 1992 national champion from 89 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide. And we both have had our ears to the ground gathering information, and the second scrimmage is in the books. A-Day coming up next Saturday for all the world to see on national television. But, uh, William, welcome back into BAMS tonight on this Sunday. Uh, I, I know you and I uh, speak with a lot of people when it comes to these scrimmages and trying to gather information, but I think one of the universal things that we've learned is that Raquan Davis is a pretty good football player. Yeah, and, and uh, I think it's safe to say that yesterday was his final uh, spring scrimmage. Well, let's just pretend like the A-Day game is actually a game, but um, enjoy Raquan for the next six or seven months because he is uh, – going to be a uh, top 20 draft pick this time next year just you know what else can you say that you know um the people that i've spoken with couldn't even keep count of all the plays that he made um in in both friday's practice uh, during the coaching clinic and and yesterday during the scrimmage um i think probably the not that that's any surprising i think that continues with the theme that came out of the first scrimmage for people that were there um i think the the most interesting thing that um, I've been told by some of my high school coaching buddies that were there at the clinic was, uh, despite a, uh, tornado warning, uh, siren, uh, howling in the background, um, Nick Saban never checked up for a second. Uh, the practice continued, the scrimmage continued as was, um, some of my buddies were even, you know, inching their way over towards the, uh, Coleman Coliseum end of the indoor practice facility. So they could bail out and run into the basement in case the frontal cloud was actually spotted. But, Nothing ever was, but I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, um, zero distractions are, are allowed uh, during Alabama football practice, including a tornado warning. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too. I, I talked to a friend in the media who they get, they get about 10 minutes in the media viewing period, and he got to witness Nick Saban's tirade toward Jeff Allen, the head trainer, because let's just say Nick Saban wasn't happy with the weather and that they had to go inside to the indoor practice facility, and he had to vent to somebody and the poor victim was Jeff Allen. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because it, it limits the, the view. You know, you don't kind of get that panoramic view of the secondary and uh, you know, when you get to sit kind of higher up in the stadium. Um, you know, I think that uh, there wasn't near as many people as expected um, that stayed for the scrimmage. I know a lot of the, uh, the coaches, you know, headed on home so they could be with their families in case they encountered severe weather. And um, I think some of the uh, – you know, high school uh, recruiting prospects that were scheduled to be there um, either didn't come or left early. So, uh, but all in all, from everything that I've gathered, um, you know, and I think it's interesting 
as dominating as one Raekwon Davis has been, has been this spring, um, there's another guy that's not too far behind him named Quinnen Williams, who, uh, from the reports that I've gotten, at least yesterday in the scrimmage, was one of the starting defensive ends um, in the base 3-4 uh, defense package. So he, he is really starting to uh, come into his own as a big-time SEC defensive lineman. And you've got a, a chance to, to really build around Raekwon Davis, Quinnen Williams, and Isaiah Bugs, And the, the really cool part about those three guys, William, is, is they're really kind of interchangeable. All of them can play inside and out in, in certain packages. Absolutely. And I think yesterday, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, a done deal. But, you know, yesterday, um, Bugs was at nose guard and, and you know, uh, Raekwon and Quinnen were the two, you know, five technique defensive ends. Um, you know, another guy that I think, um, which, which this is very critical, um, that they continue to develop this kind of depth. So in, in case the injury bug strikes at the outside linebacker position, again, like it did last year, there'll, there'll be at least one extra man um, to the good than they were last season. But Chris Allen is uh, starting to show up in some, you know, obvious passing situations as a stand-up outside linebacker. He doesn't, you know, put his hand in the dirt like Miller and, and Lewis um, dude, he stands up and rushes the passer uh, from a two-point stance. And, and um, you know, in a three-play sequence yesterday, I was told that uh, Allen um, beat, beat a Leatherwood twice and even Jamie Mosley worked him over one good time. So that's another, I think probably to me, the most intriguing story of the spring um, is that Raekwon, I mean, excuse me, uh, Alex Leatherwood at least appears, in, in my mind, mentally, I don't think it's necessarily a physical thing, He's got all the physical tools you could look for. But um, I certainly don't think that Matt Womack saw anything out of him yesterday in the scrimmage that makes him worried about getting his job back come August. And that's an interesting segue. Uh, you know, from what we understand, Womack was seen uh, in the boot. And, of course, we know he suffered the foot injury right before spring practice. He's had to miss it. There had been talk. I even thought before the start of spring that we could see Womack at right guard. But it looks as though – based upon what we've heard uh, with the progress of Alex Leatherwood at right tackle, that, that you know, he's, he, he's still got a ways to go. And that Womack, as you've, as you've reiterated on our show, had a very solid year when you considered he was a redshirt sophomore, uh, SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week at one point, uh, graded in the top three. So if you plug in Womack when he comes back in the fall at right tackle, uh, this is the great question. To me, the other big one is Lester Cotton and his long-term you know, ability to start at left guard and do the job day in and day out. We've seen Josh Kasher, who I want to correct something, is now a redshirt senior. I had called him a junior. He is a redshirt senior. This is the last year for the St. Paul Saint uh, at an Alabama Crimson Tide uniform. And then, or do we see somebody like Leatherwood move inside? What 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 kind of dominoes could happen if uh, Womack comes back and, of course, locks up right tackle for another year? Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, in some cases, you know, moving inside the guard for somebody that's been at tackle um, is certainly easier from a pass pro standpoint. You don't have the, you know, the elite edge rushers that you have to deal with you know, in space when you're on the perimeter at left tackle or right tackle, the space is more confined. Um, so it m does make things a little bit easier um, from a pass pro standpoint, which seems to be where Leatherwood is struggling the most right now. Uh, I don't certainly have not heard of, of any run blocking issues. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Lester Cotton is a guy that there's some whispers that, you know, he's gotten himself into the, the doghouse with the coaching staff. 
um, from some, uh, you know, attitude type issues. Um, so but I think that those two positions in my mind, I think are the two question marks coming out of spring going into fall camp is Lester Cotton's long-term viability at left guard. It's certainly not a, um, you know, a physical deal. I think he's playing winning football at that spot, but there's some, some team chemistry, um, you know, some team chemistry type issues that have cropped up. Um, I, I do know that, you know, it's gotten to the point that the, you know, the, the leadership on the team is, is, you know, thought about calling him on the carpet. Um, we'll have to wait and see if that plays out over the summer, but, um, I think coming out of spring, you know, you're going to have, you know, certainly le- uh, Jonah Williams at left tackle. Pierce Baker's done a very good job at center. I didn't see, I um, mean, excuse me, uh, nobody saw anybody else take reps with the first team offensive line um, yesterday, but uh, Ross Pierce Baker. There was some experimentation, you know, towards the end with the second and the third team where they worked Richie Pettibone in there for some reps at center. But, you know, I think Will's. Uh, Pierce Baker and uh, Jonah have certainly solidified their starting roles. And uh, we'll have to wait and see how those dominoes fall. Um, but, you know, it's going to take a big, big uptake in uh, production on the field for um, Leatherwood, I think, to even challenge Womack for the job, much less take it from him. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of where those dominoes fall. And, William, from the, the people that I've spoken with, uh, if you had to pick an MVP, you know, for the scrimmage yesterday offensively, we all we all we've already talked about Raquan Davis, and he would probably be that choice on defense. Offensively, due to the absences of Jerry Judy, who's of course out with an injury now, Terrell Shavers out with a toe injury. Uh, you know, they they they're they're banged up in the skill positions a little bit. Uh, but uh, I got to say, they featured the tight ends from what I understand quite a bit. Uh, I thought Hell Hinches from the reports that I've been given had a really nice scrimmage, caught several balls, and he's a guy that hadn't been talked about a lot, but you've lauded how he's improved as a blocker. Uh, but Hell Hinches uh, sounds like he really uh, is continuing to step forward and could have a, a nice senior season at the Capstone. Yeah, that's that's the same thing that I was told too, Drew, is that the tight end position was targeted a lot in the passing game. Um, you know, Irv Smith had a nice deep ball um, from Jalen Hurts that he caught as well. Um, and, and also the running backs, you know, were targeted a lot with screen plays and, and uh, swing passes out of the backfield. So, you know, it's just difficult, um, you know, when, when you've got a, a dynamic quarterback like Tua Tungavailoa that was absent and certainly his uh, availability for the 8A game, I think, is iffy at best at this point. You might have seen uh, – you know, his spring practice come to an end with, with dinging his hand up again on Friday. And, uh, you know, certainly without having, you know, Jerry Judy out there and uh, Terrell Shavers, the, the you know, starting three, uh, four, and five-man wide receiver um, formations are, are probably not going to be the same in August once those guys are healthy as they are right now. That's correct. And just from people I've spoken with, uh, I agree. I, th- I think two is done for spring practice. I would look for him to be healthy. 100%, uh, you know, by June and be good to go. But there's no use uh, probably uh, uh, rushing him back. He may have been rushed back in the first place. So yeah, just some freak things going on, hitting the helmet a couple times. They, they, they want to play it safe with Tua uh, and have him ready to, I, and I still think, claim the job uh, when he comes back. Because from what I understand, William, to segue to the quarterbacks, uh, both had moments, uh, you know, Mac Jones had a long touchdown pass from what I understand, catch and run 
uh, during the two-minute portion near the end of the scrimmage to Irv Smith. As you said earlier, Jalen had a nice throw to Irv. Jalen had a nice throw to Henry Rugg, from what I understand, and also to Hinches for a touchdown. But both still kind of struggled. There didn't seem, from what I from what I understand, to be a lot of rhythm to the passing game uh, on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that from everything that you know that I've been told. And you know, I I still felt like you know that the offense, um, from what from what the reports have been. You know, kind of started off a little bit slow and sluggish, and you know that can be you know to be expected. You know, with some experimentation still going on on the offensive line. Um, you know, uh, at least two of the top five wide receivers not being available uh, for the yesterday scrimmage. Um, you know, the guy that I think is certainly the leader in the clubhouse to be the starting quarterback, and, and you know, clearly the the best passer of the three. Um, you know, being over on the sideline, so you know, you still don't really have a gauge. Um, just to how explosive and dynamic this 2018 Alabama offense can be. Uh, but I think when you, you look at all the missing pieces to the puzzle that aren't out there right now, um, we won't have probably a better idea of that, um, you know, until August. And, you know, I think, too, you see this every spring and fall. Um, certainly, I think, uh, one proven commodity um, during the Nick Saban era is, you know, they always have felt like they could line up in a two-tight end formation and run the ball with success on pretty much anybody that they play. I think this year they're probably going to have an opportunity to do that even to a greater degree just because they, I think the SEC is going to be down. Um, you know, if you look at Alabama's schedule, um, I, I just don't see a complete team that, that Alabama um, should really even be challenged by on both sides of the football probably not until Auburn comes to town for the Iron Bowl. There's still a lot of unanswered questions for that LSU Tigers team, um, you know, for me to kind of put them in that same conversation. You know, maybe uh, Jimbo and Texas A&M puts up a few points. Uh, maybe Old Miss, you know, can hit some big plays. But I just don't see a complete football team well into the month of November that can challenge, um, which is going to be a national championship contending football team once again. It's kind of become the norm uh, at the University of Alabama under Nick Saban. Yeah, and then, I, of course, William, you made this point um, following some reports from practice before the first scrimmage that the kicking game was a disaster. And then we heard good reports, at least from the uh, standpoint of uh, Joseph uh, Bulavas in the in the first scrimmage, four of five. But I have to say, everything I've heard after yesterday was we're back to square one with another disaster. What have you heard? Um, you know, I wouldn't go that far. I think you know nobody could really tell um, as far as the kickoffs and the punting because they all hit the ceiling of the indoor complex. Agreed. I you couldn't really get it. You couldn't really get a good gauge on that, and I think it certainly hampered um, them being able to practice and execute um, the return phases of both the punting and, and the kickoff returns. Um, but but I, I think it's a fair statement. I mean, maybe he's been a little bit up and down this spring, but based on where he was at the end of fall camp last August, I do think Bullivus has improved a little bit. Now, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that job uh, once the transfer from Temple gets there. Um, shoot, we're almost 30 days away, well, about six weeks away from the rest of the guys coming in. Um, Austin you know, the Jones. Friday before, yeah, the Friday before Memorial Day, um, which at the end of next month, we're almost there. But, um, you know, you just don't see a lot of holes, you know, Drew, on this on this team. 
Um, you know, certainly they got to get the best five offensive linemen out there. They got to get the receivers healthy, get to a healthy. You know, really the only spot I see on defense um, where there might could possibly be some change. And I'm still not convinced that Trevon Diggs isn't a better nickel guy or safety than a cover corner. Um, you know, you might see, you know, a guy like Patrick Sertain or Eddie Smith come in and, and challenge um, for Trevon Diggs' job. And I don't think it would happen, especially with those guys not going through spring um, spring camp. Uh, if it does happen, I don't think it will be till later on into the season. But I think that's really the only question mark that I see, maybe besides, um, you know, a, a fully stocked cut board at the inside linebacker position. You know, depth is a concern there. And that's a perfect segue for the depth of the inside linebackers. One guy that I heard some positive reports on, William, and if this continued, would really help Alabama. I think it's all well established how good that everyone thinks Lindell Mack Wilson can be going into his junior year and the sophomore Dylan Moses, who played quite a bit uh, due to all the injuries at the end of last season. But Markel Benton is a name that uh, I heard uh, you know, a little bit that played well in the scrimmage. And He's a redshirt freshman from Central of Phoenix City. He played for Jamie Dubose for their program. But I know it was thought that he was in the doghouse at the end of last season. But uh, from hearing what I've heard during the spring, he could be, uh, you know, getting back into the good graces of this coaching staff and be a valuable backup inside. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. And I think, you know, at the end of last season, probably more so in the bowl practice, you know, he was a guy that I think the coaching staff, you know, kind of felt like, possibly could get himself in a position, especially on passing downs, you know, to maybe give uh, Mac Wilson a blow um, inside. Um, he was further along in, in, you know, his coverage abilities versus being a, a run stopper between the tackles. But I think that has developed a little bit, um, especially with, you know, Keith Holcomb's future as far as football is concerned is still up in the air. We probably won't know anything about that until August um, for sure. But um, I think he's a guy that's kind of positioned himself this spring as being one of the first guys off the bench to uh, spell Moses and Mac Wilson. And you know, one of the things that I've heard consistently throughout spring practice about those two guys is um, they basically look like twin brothers out there. And when you look, and if you can't see the number on the jersey, you can have a hard time telling you know each one of them apart. They they both you know are kind of the same height and weight, have some of the same uh, characteristics as a player. So. Um, you know, two former five-star recruits there um, lining up side-by-side side inside. It's, you know, as long as there's no, you know, injuries there, I think that could be a, you know, a big – the linebacker core as a whole, um, especially with Chris Allen starting to come along, along with Terrell Lewis, Christian Miller, um, still yet with the uh, arrival of uh, Anoma uh, coming in who could factor there in as well. And I think one other guy, Drew, that um, it kind of took some of the, the high school coaches to point this out to me. Um, and I still think he's a year away from a strength and conditioning standpoint and, and getting comfortable with the speed of the game. But uh, some of my, I'm a high school coaching buddy, saw some flashes out of Jerez Park yesterday, um, which I think is a plus or could be a plus going forward for the outside linebackers. Yeah, yeah, that's a definite name, uh, you know, that I had heard as well. I mean, he's going to be a true freshman. So, uh, and then, uh, and then because uh, Ben Davis has been well documented. I still don't feel that uh, Ben uh, going into this year is going to be a factor right now at the inside linebacker spot. But we've heard since he enrolled about the talent of Vandarius Cowan. 
I from what I from talking to people, it sounds like he was with the threes yesterday, but he still flashed some definite talent. Uh, we know that uh, there's some still ominous things he has to get through uh, coming up for this season. But do you see a way that Vandarius Cowan can salvage uh, his you know career at Alabama? Because I, it's definitely not a, a question of talent. Because I know your good friend Jeremy Pruitt, before leaving for Tennessee, felt like the young man had first round ability if you know he did the right things. Yeah, and I think that's the the sixty four thousand dollar question, Drew. Is you know can Van Darius keep his nose clean, uh, you know between now and and fall camp and and do the things that have been asked of him by the coaching staff. You know, that was another thing that was pretty obvious yesterday um, to those in attendance. That you know when when you line up Van Darius Cowan and and Ben Davis um, next to each other on the inside on the third team defense, you know Cowan made ninety percent of the plays. Um, it's almost silly, you know, seeing somebody with his ability out there, you know, going against the third team offense. It's a mismatch from a physical standpoint. You know, he's a, uh, you know, kind of a, a reminds me a lot of a, a Rashawn Evans guy. I mean, he can play the run inside, uh, could line up on the outside and rush the passer. Um, you know, he's a little bit longer than Rashawn, and uh, you know, he, he's got a bright future if if he can just manage to clean up his act off the field and do the little things well. Um, that a student athlete is asked to do at this level. And then I wanted to uh, talk about another young man who will be there in May who I, we don't think he's going to affect the 2D this year, but it, the, the, I still think he'll redshirt and have a chance to you know push for a job next season, especially considering Lindell Mack Wilson could be the next in line to turn professional. But is Jalen Moody being undervalued by people? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he uh, he came down um, to practice early on, and uh, the coaching staff is very impressed with uh, you know what's happened with his body. Um, you know, in the two months since uh, National Signing Day, when he got a copy of Alabama Strength and Conditioning Program from Scott Cochran, and uh, they think that you know he is a guy that's being undervalued. I think they feel like they kind of got a steal there with him at the twelfth hour. And, uh, you know, I know the Arkansas coaching staff was devastated, um, you know, when they lost him there at the end. They had, they had, you know, for their program, you know, getting a guy like him is, you know, that's kind of a, a deal breaker. They've got to be able to get those type of players to continue to try and climb the ladder in the SEC West. But, yeah, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see how he adapts and how quickly he can absorb the playbook and, and the speed of play. But certainly I think he's a guy that the coaching staff has high hopes for. And with all we've heard of Chris Allen in the first scrimmage, and then you and I both were told that he flashed big time yesterday, we certainly expect Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis slash Anthony Jennings to be the starters. But uh, do, you, do you think that Chris Allen is going to elevate himself perhaps to be a co-starter alongside someone like Christian Miller uh, at Sam? Yeah, I think, you know, we'll have to wait and see, you know, how, how Jennings recovers from his knee injury. Um, and, again, these, these things are interchangeable parts. I mean, you know, last year you saw Anthony Jennings, um, you know, kind of go from being a, you know, kind of a run stopper at the beginning of the year at the Jack linebacker spot to by the end of the year being one of Alabama's better pass rushers. And, and I think that's very important. You know, when you look at the landscape uh, of the SEC, um, you know, certainly Chad Morris's offense is going to be totally different than what uh, Brett 
Lehman's was at Arkansas. You know, he's a hurry up, no huddle spread guy. Um, you know, there's just more and more with, with Joe Moorhead coming to Mississippi State. You know, they're going to be more of, of that flavor. So, you know, you, you're starting to see, um, you know, less and less teams that Alabama needs, you know, run stuffers for. They need, you know, both defensive linemen um, that can change directions and pursue players in space and also at the linebacker position as well. I mean, they've got to be able to, you know, track down a dual-threat quarterback. They've got to be able to drop into coverage. And I think Nick Saban, albeit he was a little bit slow to morph and change that philosophy, uh, but I think he's done a pretty good job of, of uh, making up for, you know, maybe delaying the decision for his, um, you know, philosophy with what he wanted out of an inside linebacker, outside linebacker, and, and defensive lineman. Um, it took him a little while to, you know, kind of get the memo and make the transition, but he's made up for lost time in a hurry at that's both of those spots. He really has, and then – the reports so far, William, uh, during uh, the uh, the spring practice uh, 2018 have been, I think, rather encouraging from a secondary perspective. Even though they lost all six guys, um, you know, we I think we're all uh, believe Deontay Thompson is going to be a starter and be a big time player. We've heard good things about Xavier McKinney, but as far as a plug and play guy, uh, I continue to hear really good things about Savion Smith and how he's performed in the first and second scrimmage. Yeah, and I think, you know, another guy that, you know, probably needs to go along with that same designation there is Xavier McKinney. Um, you know, we've yet to hear of, of anybody kind of getting a lot of reps back there, his safety spot. And, and I think also as well, um, starting off spring, you, you, you kind of heard that Shaheen Carter and Jared Maiden were kind of both getting a lot of looks with the first-team defense at the uh, nickel position. But I think as spring has gone on, you've seen um, Carter kind of take that spot, um, at least up to this point. And, and, you know, Maiden is back now getting most of his reps with the second-team defense. You know, it's a great problem to have. It's, it's good to have two guys that can both do that. Uh, but, I, yeah, I don't think the, uh, the secondary is going to be, um, you know, a concern. Uh, again, um, you know, you have to look at, you know, the, the teams that could possibly cause problems. Um, there's just not that many of them on the schedule that has a proven quarterback with some elite wide receivers. And, uh, again, it makes those guys' jobs a lot easier when they've only got, you know, two and a half seconds to worry about covering a wide receiver because that front seven is so good at rushing the passer. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, we've talked about Chris Allen. Uh, and how he's a non-starter that you know kind of stood out and, and and made a lot of plays, uh, and and in what we've heard uh, from the scrimmage yesterday, uh, Mar and we we talked about Markel Benton, another guy, and I don't expect him to give Alabama or be needed for more than maybe 15 snaps a game, William. But uh, he and I really st started noticing him last spring, and I felt like when he got an opportunity last year. Uh, that he was a factor, but I heard that Johnny Dwight did some good things yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, he's certainly done a good job. I think there's been some some really good development, um, you know, depth-wise there at the defensive line. Um, LeBron Ray has added some size, and uh, we'll certainly be able to spell Quentin Williams and uh, uh, Raekwon Davis at the defensive end spot. You know, Fidarian Mathis, uh, both Fidarian Mathis and I think Stephon Wynn, um, you know, run more like a defensive tackle than they do a pure zero technique nose guard. So there, there's been some really good things. You know, obviously, Bugs, Davis, and Williams have, have kind of been the, you know, the, the, the standouts. 
but I think there's a lot of good development going on behind them at those spots, which you know they'll need as they get into the the deep part of the schedule in November. And then, of course, they'll add the JUCO to Vita Masaika into that mix as well. So they'll have uh, some more depth uh, to uh, join the party for Alabama, especially inside. So the defensive line uh, really seems to be, you know, uh, morphing Christian into Barrymore a strength. Well. Yeah, Christian Barrymore, who we, from what we understand, has uh, made the academic strides necessary. And I know a lot of people thought he looked as good as any on film last year of uh, the defensive line signees. I know. He was uh, definitely, by the end of the cycle, considered to be a better prospect than Bobby Brown, who, you know, in my humble opinion, uh, when, when he plays against Alabama for the rest of his career, is going to regret it. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, I think – uh, and then we've, and we've talked about a lot of the positions. We haven't really talked about the running backs, William, and I think we know how ridiculously talented they are. Uh, from what we understand, Josh Jacobs made his first appearance, but in a black jersey, of course, did not see action. Uh, he is still recovering from the uh, lower leg injury that required surgery. Uh, from what we understand, he played on really a broken slash ankle uh, foot situation for from game five on last year. Uh, but uh, the top three, from what we understand, did not disappoint. Damian Harris is Damian Harris. Uh, consistent, very smart. Uh, you know he's going to do the right thing, play in and play out. Najee Harris continues to get better, William. But the name you keep hearing over and over again uh, to continue to watch is Brian Robinson and Pilcrest Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and I think that'll probably be the the most interesting um, talk of, of the running back position group once they get back in the fall. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, you know, when he's been healthy, and that's that's kind of been on a limited basis um, throughout his first two years in Tuscaloosa. He's really struggled with the injury bug. Uh, but, you know, now with, with Brian Robinson having a year of SEC football under his belt, um, he has had an opportunity to shine and make plays. Um, you know, very, you know, thickly built, low center of gravity running back. And he's impressed a lot of people this spring. So, um, you know, to me, that puts a lot of pressure on Josh Jacobs. He's got to get back in the fall. And, you know, he's got a little bit of competition there to regain that, you know, kind of third change of pace back that Nick Saban has always liked to carry on his rosters um, since he's been at Alabama. No question about that. And, and overall, I just think uh, it, it was a, uh, an in- interesting scrimmage from the Intel standpoint. Uh, and then recruiting wise, uh, you know, talking to people, it seemed to be, even though, as you said, William, a lot of kids had to leave early due to the weather. Uh, there were certainly some that stayed from what we understand. Clay, Clay Webb stayed. Uh, Will Reichert, uh, the uh, kicker punter from Hoover, uh, was seen as well. Uh, and uh, with Alabama kind of struggling in the kicking and punting uh, category, uh, I know the young man won't be here until uh, next season going into 2019, but it certainly feels like uh, he's a priority for Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And um, Certainly over the last, you know, since 2007, you know, the Alabama coaching staff hasn't really struggled. Uh, to get the players that they wanted from Hoover High School. So you got to feel good about their chances with Riker. Um, you know, also, um, a couple other guys that were spotted, um, you know, the, the current uh, and most recent Alabama quarterback commitment, Paul Tyson, was in attendance yesterday, um, as was the uh, inside linebacker target from up on the East Coast, uh, Shane Lee or Sean Lee, whichever one it is. Shane Lee, um, yes. Was there, was there as well, so. 
Uh, you know, Alabama even had uh, uh, the number one receiver for the 2020 class on campus on Friday, who's got a deep relationship um, with former Penn State wide receivers coach, now Alabama wide receivers coach Josh Gaddis, talking about Julian Fleming. Um, although it's two years away, Alabama feels really good about their position and chances of landing Julian Fleming in the next two years. Yes, and from what I understand, as not surprisingly, Talia Tungavaloa was there as well, uh, watching uh, the scrimmage, even though his uh, uh, brother, as we know, Tua, uh, was not spotted in media viewing, and Nick Saban said he did not see any action. Uh, William, I know we've already talked about uh, Tua likely being done for the spring. Uh, how do you think it's going to affect the crowd Saturday, not being able to see Tua once again for the first time since January the 8th? You know, I'm, I'm sure it's not something that ESPN's happy about, but, um, you know, you got to go with the, with the hand that you're dealt. And, uh, you know, it's it'll give Jalen Hurts and Mike Jones a chance to, uh, you know, get extra reps, especially out there in a, you know, a game-type environment. Um, you know, will the, will the passing game um, that does get displayed next Saturday, will it send, uh, you know, the Alabama fan base, you know, back into a, a shell of depression? Um, we'll just have to wait and see, but um, you know, it's really not something to worry about. It's, you'd much rather have these injuries pop up, you know, in April during spring practice versus you know the first or second scrimmage of August um, when you're you know less than four weeks away from from having to play Louisville. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll probably affect the crowd size. Um, you have to wait and see what the weather's supposed to be like. I know right now they're calling for a you know a slight chance of rain next Saturday and. You know, certainly if the weather turns, you know, severe like it tried to do yesterday, that'll definitely play a, a part in a, in a smaller uh, than normal crowd. I guess it'll give Coach Saban something to bitch about in the press conference. Um, you know, if there's tornado warnings, he's going to be asking why there wasn't, it wasn't 100,000 people out there uh, braving the tornado warning. But um, I think, you know, really, it's, you know, what you have to hope for now is, you know, Alabama will probably have one more tough practice. Um, this week, and then they'll, they'll throttle things back and start getting ready. Um, the coaching staff will divide the roster up and, you know, get ready for the, the steak and beanie weenie game on Saturday. And, and you know, it's it's a busy time for the coaches. Um, the, the May evaluation period's fixing to kick off and get started. And, you know, those guys will be away from home for basically a month solid going to see, um, you know, some of the other prospects that they need to see in person before they – they green light a committable offer to them. So even though, you know, Saturday, um, you know, kind of in spring practice for Alabama fans, you know, the beat goes on for the coaching staff as they continue to try and, uh, you know, chase a possible number one recruiting class again for 2019. And uh, before we wrap it up, just a few minutes here, William, we, there's one guy that has not been seen throughout uh, much of this uh, spring practice, and he's recovering from an ACL around game three last year and medically redshirted. But with what we've heard about Hale Hinches and, of course, Irv Smith, uh, what kind of role do you foresee for someone like a Miller Forstall who seemed to be coming into his own last year before this injury? Oh, I think, you know, if he can get back to, you know, where he was last season prior to being injured, I think he'll have a big role. Um, you know, to give another weapon in the passing game uh, for Mike Loxley and Dan Enos to target. And, uh, you know, he's a, a big, you know, tall, rangy guy that runs really well, you know, almost on the, the bubble of, of being called, a, you know, a jumbo-sized wide receiver with his athleticism and speed. So, um, you know, I think he's got a chance to, uh, 
you know, get back into the mix rather quickly. Um, and I expect them to be 100% by the time fall camp kicks off in August. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of where he fits in. And, uh, and as we said, William, uh, the, the wide receiver core has been banged up. Devonta Smith, from what we understand, got a couple of touches yesterday. Uh, but Henry Ruggs seemed to be the focal point. Uh, from what we understand, had a touchdown catch, made some big plays. Uh, he, he, of course, with all with all these guys being out, uh, he's had a chance to kind of become the focal point a little bit. But uh, are, how deep do you see this uh, wide receiver group being as we're headed toward A-Day? I know there'll be a lot of pieces missing, but uh, then one key one, I know they're very high on Jalen Waddle, and as you said, in about 30 days, he'll be on campus. Yeah, and I think that's probably the – the biggest remaining piece of the puzzle is, uh, you know, some of the, the accolades and the labels that I've heard, uh, you know, being placed on Jalen Waddle. you know, the, the most consistent one being, you know, that the Alabama coaching staff viewed him as a must have um, in last year's recruiting class. Um, refer, they refer to him early and often as the most explosive player in high school football last year. So, you know, he's a guy that's, a, you know, a very dangerous slot wide receiver, um, I think he will find a role um, you know, in the wide receiver rotation as a true freshman. Um, you don't really like – you don't normally see, you know, Nick Saban trust, you know, a true freshman player to get him involved early in the kick return or the punt return game. But he can certainly, um, you know, maybe change that philosophy for Nick Saban. He is that dynamic of a playmaker. He certainly has the chance to be in – could have a big impact on the kicking game as well as the wide receiver group. I, you know, they may not have a Calvin Ridley going into next year, though. I think one could develop. I still think, from a talent standpoint, it's going to be the uh, the best unit. Uh, you know, because again, uh, Terrell Shavers was having a really good spring, from what we understand, until the turf toe. Uh, there was a ligament injury, as Coach Saban reported, to his toe. He has had surgery. Will miss the rest of the spring. Will be ready for fall. Uh, but then there's still Shadarius Townsend, who's a redshirt freshman, uh, who had a catch. And even Xavion Marks, William, who, will, from what I understand, uh, had a, a big catch on a third down play yesterday. Yeah, there is. And, and you know, I think probably, you know, the, the two most intriguing pieces of the puzzle um, going into fall camp are, are going to be Jalen Waddell and the, the monster um, Terrell Shavers. Um, you know, Alabama's had some you know, six four, six five guys in the past, but they didn't have, you know, game-breaking speed like Shavers has. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. Um, you don't even really have to have, you know, the type of speed that he does to be an effective wide receiver, you know, with that length. That causes major, you know, matchup problems for corners trying to cover guys, you know, with that kind of length and athleticism. So I think, you know, Waddle and Shavers, um, you know, I think Townsend still has to become a more consistent receiver with his hands. Um, you know, he's been given some opportunities this spring and has you know, dropped too many balls. Um, you know, Marks, I think, is, is going to be, you know, on, on the back end of that rotation at the wide receiver standpoint, although he could certainly factor in on the return game. He certainly could uh, factor in on that return game big time. But uh, we wanted to wrap up this uh, uh, look back at the buzz we're hearing for uh, the spring practice 2018 after scrimmage two. We've basically been over every position for you. We've told you what we heard uh, about the quarterbacks. Uh, we told you uh, what we've heard about the running backs, the offensive line, the tight ends, wide receivers. 
We've gone through the defensive line, the linebackers inside and out, and the, and the uh, secondary, a little bit on the kicking game as well. But I guess in closing for the last couple of minutes, William, despite the fact that Tua, we have not seen much of him uh, this spring practice, after the buzz we've heard from uh, Jalen Hurts and, of course, with uh, what we've heard from Mac Jones, it still seems uh, obvious right now when he's healthy and back that Tua Tonga-Vailoa will have a stranglehold on this job. Do you agree with that? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt that he's probably going to end up winning the starting job. Now, there's some kind of gamesmanship, I think, that will take place you know, with Nick Saban as far as um, the schedule dictates this as well. Um, I also don't think um, he wants to see a repeat performance of, of the Blake Barnett four game into the season transfer, um, you know, take place. I don't, I'm not trying to sit here and say, I think there's going to be a two quarterback system. Um, but I do think probably throughout the month of September, uh, maybe up until the A&M or the Old Miss game, um, you're going to see probably um, both quarterbacks get meaningful snaps uh, early on. But yeah, I mean, I do. There's, there's no doubt that, you know, two is the more gifted quarterback. Um, on the roster, but but I do think you'll see um, that that situation kind of be slow played on from Nick Nick Saban's standpoint um, to to try and keep everybody happy in the hen house and prevent an early midseason transfer. Absolutely. Well, William, we thank you for your time tonight on this Sunday. Always great intel from the University of Alabama. We look forward to speaking with you again later this week after the two practices of the week on uh, Tuesday and Thursday before A-Day 2018. Always great to speak with you, and have a great evening. Thank you, guys. And probably I think the, the, the theme of, of Thursday night show is uh, going to be trying to put some of these uh, 2019 recruiting prospects will be attendance on Saturday. Maybe there's going to be some, uh, some guys placed on commitment watch. Yeah, absolutely. There usually always is. Very strategic by Nick Saban. That's William Redfish Barger who joined us tonight, and uh, we want to thank Thomas Watts for producing our outstanding program, the special edition of uh, Scrimmage Buzz that will be out, uh, that, we, that uh, we look forward to all the listeners kind of taking in uh, the rest of this week before our, uh, our show on Thursday. Thomas does a great job producing and co-hosting our show. I want to thank again William Redfish Barger. I'm your host, Judy Armand. Really looking forward to A-Day 2018. I will be in attendance covering for ESPN 97.7 The Zone. I uh, look forward to uh, seeing everyone inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. And, of course, we look forward to Thursday. As William said, uh, we'll take uh, another look back at practice, and we'll be breaking down a lot of these uh, prospects that will be visiting. Uh, could be a lot of talent headed to Tuscaloosa. It usually is on A-Day, uh, as including one of them that we've talked about just uh, you know, uh, uh, in, the, in the last few episodes of BAM's Darnell Wright, the left tackle from Huntington, West Virginia. I think Alabama is making a big move with him, and according to his coach, he should be in attendance on A-Day. But we hope everybody uh, is, uh, has a great rest of your Sunday. Enjoy this, uh, BAMS Radio. We enjoyed bringing it to you, the scrimmage buzz, the second one of 2018 spring practice. Everybody get ready for A-Day 2018. We'll talk to you later this week. But I'm uh, your host, Drew Armin, along with uh, Thomas Watson for William Redfish Barger. Good night and roll tide.